Welcome back to Recorded Conversations, the podcast that's dedicated to compassionately considering all perspectives while engaging in authentic, connected dialogue. I'm Danielle Kingstrom. Episode 34 welcomes Julie McVeigh. She's the author of Why I Left Church to Find Jesus, A Personal Odyssey. We discussed Julie's journey through transformation and how it impacted her lens on life. Why was she accused of being deceived by the devil? And what happened after she was warned that she was going to get into trouble? From eternal conscious torment to universalism, Julie shares her messy musings. For more information on Julie, you can visit her website at julieview.com and her book, Why I Left Church to Find Jesus, is available on Amazon. As always, I ask you to compassionately consider the perspective of Julie McVeigh. Enjoy the show. Um, that's the one thing I appreciate about Carl and Laura is they try and intertwine you into their own story and they make you feel like you're a part of their family. And I like podcasters that do that, especially because you create a comfortable environment and you can get rid of the convention of 10 questions in your 20 minutes in your narrow box and hurry up and do, 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 do. So yeah, it's really, it's just like a whole new world. Yeah. I mean, I want to try it because it's, it's kind of nerve wracking because I didn't expect this kind of interest. Um, so I would like to try in my own head. I'm like, I'm just having a conversation with someone as if I would any conversation over the phone, really. Yes. So. That's really what it is. It's like in a lot of instances. And, you know, I don't know if you utilize this method, but I use Zoom a lot just to talk to friends. And after we've said, and we do spend a good amount of time, like an hour or two. And after that, I go, you know, that was really phenomenal. Like, why didn't we record that? Why didn't we share that with other people? Why are we not including other people in doing something like this? Because I'll get a chance to listen. And so, yeah. So I think that's my favorite part. I love listening to other people's stories. I am a little bit more familiar with Zoom, actually, because I've done, um, I was in trading groups. I, I taught myself to uh, uh, trade in the foreign exchange market. Yeah. And a lot of the trainings were Zoom. And then um, I started doing a little bit of training, so I had to kind of learn how to do it. So it's, it was very convenient because you could throw up your monitor on there. You can let someone take over the mouse and, and kind of show you things. I don't know yeah. if you know that, like if you put up yeah. a document. So it's very um, useful for a lot of people coming in for like a training. Well, you can do a one-on-one too, or, or four, or whatever, which is cool. Yeah, it is. It, it gives you that that pseudo real life feel, the face to face. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So with all that, let's start on your story, Julie. So I read your book, Why I Left Church to Find Jesus: A Personal Odyssey, and I, I love how you share your history of all of the different churches that you danced around to figure out what you believed. From my understanding, this seems like a catharsis writing for you. This was a way for you to just kind of like open a valve and pour out everything that had been wound up in you and your brain and your artistry is now, well, it seems like your artistry might be poetry too. And you have a particular um, passion towards music, it looks like. So with all of that, (laughs) you could just kind of unwrap for us your odyssey and your artistry sure um so you're correct i i really started i didn't really plan on 
writing a book or, and then after I was starting to put it together as a book, I wasn't plan ever planning on making it public. But yeah, I, I enjoy writing, always have since my youth. I grew up in a bit of a dysfunctional household and the way I learned to process what I was going through was through poetry, um, journaling, singing. I just make up songs because I do, you know, I do have an okay singing voice. <laughs> I can carry a tune. Um, just make up songs on the spot as a way of expressing myself. And in some ways, it was a way of expressing myself to God or relating to God, even though our household, we didn't, I didn't grow up in a religious home or spiritual home, but we did have a little bit of, my mom was Catholic, my dad, he was Presbyterian actually. Um, so I did have a little bit of that. I mean, we would say prayers, kind of really basic prayers at, at uh, supper and, and that's about it. But I found myself from Gosh, just a very, very young age, just being very intrigued with this um, idea of the spiritual, this idea of this God out there. Um, it was fascinating to me. As I, I'm not sure exactly how I should go and <laughs> what I should say or how much I should say about the okay, book. But well, the reason you, I you left <coughs> home at 16. How about let's go back yeah. to that for a minute, if we can. Sure. You left home at 16, and you're you never went back. You just you left and you kept going. I did go back for six months. Okay. Um, I, it's a strange thing. Um, you can be in a, in a, you can be in an abusive relationship and know that it's unhealthy and get out of it. But you, especially your parent, you miss, you miss your, your mom as a daughter. You know, I, I just had that deep, deep love for, for my mom. Now this is, I, I don't think I've shared this and I didn't share it in the book. I'm adopted. So this is my, um, my adopted mom hmm. uh, who's passed now and uh, they were divorced. Well, I think I wrote it in the book. Yes. They were divorced when I was 14. Um, my adopted mom and dad. So uh, my birth mom who I met in my late twenties, she's like, Oh no, people are going to think that I was the mom that <laughs> kind of gave you a hard time. And, like, oh, I didn't even think of that. I'm sorry. But she's like, it's okay. Um, so, yeah, I, I left at 16. And then I just, I was really, that's hard to do when yeah. you're a young girl. And I did go back for six months and then <clears throat> left again on better terms, a little bit better terms. And moved in with my girlfriend and had our little condo and trying to figure out life when you're young. It was, it was, it was a good time. It was a good time of growth. And was it the friend that you moved in with that got you involved in looking at different churches and beliefs? Oh, no, no. Um, not that one. The one that I originally moved in with, um, it wasn't even her family. It was just a friend of her family mm -hmm. <clears throat> that introduced me to church. Um, it was a charismatic church. Mm -hmm. They were very kind and loving people, but it was just a little bit too overwhelming for me. All Speaking the in tongues and... Yeah. Yes. I mean, really a lot of physical yeah. manifestations <laughs> up there. 
experience and it was a little too much for me. So I didn't stay there. I fell away from church altogether. So you never spoke in tongues? I did. Well, you did. You did? Uh, in, in the book, I mentioned that, um, well, that was kind of a requirement. So, they, and I was, I don't know, what does this mean? What is this language? These people are <laughs> speaking. I don't get it. So they took me on a retreat to sort of help me learn how to do that. And when, one uh, afternoon we're in prayer circle and it was really a beautiful time. I felt very like this unconditional love from them, but <laughs> they were very insistent that I had to speak this language. And they mm -hmm. said, well, it's kind of like, you know, um, you just say what, don't try to make sense of your language and just kind of speak words that whatever comes out, it doesn't even have to be intelligible language. And I, it kind of reminded me of humming a little bit when mm -hmm. I would hear them. And I thought, well, I, I know, I know how to do that. I love to, to, to like hum songs and things like that. So, mm -hmm. I, so I did. And I was, it was uh, like a very exciting time for them. <laughs> like, oh, yay. She's, you know, for them, it meant I was baptized with the Holy Spirit. Okay. I was never, I've never really been familiar with the charismatic church and I thought it was really interesting as I was reading your book and then a, another book and then the last two guests I've interviewed all had similar experience with speaking in tongues being brought up in the charismatic church and I'm like where has this church been my whole life because I mean I've just I've never experienced one and I thought I probably could have got down with some of that stuff for a long time <laughs> I mean just thinking about all the things I've done because I mean I was like a practicing Buddhist and high school and my early twenties. And then I went over to Wicca and, you know, then it was like Hindu and I was all over the place. So I just had never heard of it. And it's, it's very interesting. I have a friend who ha attends uh, a charismatic church and she wouldn't call herself a charismatic, but she said her daughter just recently went through this experience that, you know, for so long she had mocked because you hear of those you know, those, those divine experiences that, that make you shudder or just compulsively cry or what have you. But she said, mm -hmm. you know, some, sometimes it's not just a bunch of, you know, noise and jargon. Sometimes it actually is real. And so I think that's what I appreciate most about all the different like genres and doctrines and denominations is in each of them, there is something that is real enough where you can experience the divine and and so it seems like maybe you kind of had a similar experience where you were just like, I'll taste this, I'll test this, I'm going to do this. But then you got comfortable in an atmosphere for a little bit until you started questioning again. And you wrote in your book that you were, you were basically kicked out of the church. They, they didn't welcome you anymore. What was it that you were speaking to that upset everybody so much? Well, I want to go back just for a, a quick second. Sure. Um, I agree with you as far as the, the various ways people can express their faith, and I'm not. I'm open to that. The one negative part of it for me in my experience with that early, uh, when I was a teen in that charismatic church, was the feeling that I wasn't really quite included until I did what they wanted me to do. They wanted yeah. me to have that experience. So that felt felt a little contrived and I was uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, and it wasn't until, so I was 16 then it wasn't until I was 30 actually that I started going to church on a regular basis. And I was pregnant with my first child and, um, 
I was there for a, quite a long time for, uh, well, until my forties and into my, well into my forties, but I, I, um, I love research and I really got into theology. I thought I could really get to know this God better if I understood scripture really well. And, and as I learned, I mean, I, not all the doctrines rubbed me the wrong way. It was just some of some doctrines in particular that didn't seem to jive well with who I thought this father, this divine loving father would be. So I, I thought, okay, I need to research this out for myself to feel like I can be on board a hundred percent. Um, so the main, the one that started getting me in trouble, I think this is what your question is, is what, what was it that started getting me looked at differently? Yeah. Um, was the doctrine of hell, specifically eternal conscious torment is a doctrine that's um, some of these more fundamentalist churches adhere to. And that didn't make a whole lot of sense to me <laughs> that our loving father would say, well, you haven't figured out all the right things to believe about me. So I'm going to tor torment you endlessly. Yeah, <laughs> as though we'll time. be punished just for our ignorance. Yeah it, it, yeah, it didn't make sense to me. So I did, I did research that out. It didn't really take a whole lot of time to realize, okay, the Bible really doesn't support this very well at all. So mm -hmm. I don't even know why people are <laughs> supporting it. So that kind of started me on the road to deconstructing different doctrines. And the more I did that, the more my conclusions started looking different than the pastor and the elders and the professors mm -hmm. um, to especially, well, uh, to be fair, it wasn't just that I started having different um, conclusions, but in this world of social media, we have that ability to share or process what we're going through. And yeah. I do that. And um, that was, taken as well you're you're making this public you are people are reading that and you're mm -hmm. leading them away from the truth mm. that's what it yeah, was yeah didn't they say you were deceived by the devil oh yeah i mean i was deceived by the devil um i was seeking after worldly ways mm. uh, walking away from my first love which is uh, in scripture that's jesus um and no longer a sister in Christ. Just blatant, mm. right out there, blatant. <laughs> you're not a sister in Christ anymore. Just cut out because you don't believe the exact same way we do. Yes. And specifically, mm. I think the main things were the, um, it wasn't just the hell. It's just that I became far more inclusive in my theology and, and in the restoration and reconciliation it for me it came down to because after the after i started deconstructing um eternal conscious torment then i kind of thought okay annihilationism that's a little more merciful i could maybe i can buy into that so i started researching that because some people do believe in that doctrine as well so which is just the doctrine of um instead of <laughs> to endlessly tormenting you you're punished and then you're snuffed out. Yeah. You never existed. Bye-bye. So 
that too is hard for me to, you know, swallow, but I thought, okay, let's see. And scripture does do a better job of sustaining that particular doctrine, but it's still, it still wasn't feeling right for me. Just when it coming from the <clears throat> perspective of a parent and knowing how much you love your child unconditionally, you will do anything for them. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking my love, I would never give up on my child. I would never give yeah. up on my child if I didn't have to. And I thought, well, why would God have to? This is a God of eternal love. Why is he forcing his hand that he has to give up on his own children? That just didn't make sense to me. So I kind of started looking into universalism and shared some things, you know, on social media along those lines that I was looking into that, that I was open to that. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I started sharing, I was becoming more open to the idea of you know, universal um, restoration for all humanity that cro- that crossed the line. Kind of had that Carlton Pearson moment where your church was like, what? Yes. You wrote about um, how when Rob Bell's book came out, mm-hmm. um, that your pastor and a co-pastor wrote a response. And I have a feeling I know which person you're talking about. What is that like in just that experience when something comes to the surface like that, like Rob Bell's Love Wins, and Mm -hmm. you're in a situation where your pastor's like, do not believe what you're reading out here. Right. Heresy. This is a false doctrine. What does it feel like to push against that? What does it feel like to know that like, if you step outside of those boundaries, did you have fear at all that they were going to do this? Or did you think that if you were so easily changed by what you had, that they were going to fall in kind of with suit? Did you think you were going to have more influence over them? When Rob Bell's book came out, I was still in alignment with our uh, church's understanding of hell. And it didn't occur to me to question my pastor really i mean if he felt so um certain to write an entire book in response to that book i thought okay that's pretty serious i can i can trust you know these these people they're more trained thoroughly trained than i was in theology so i and i didn't really know who this rob bell person was so i wasn't going to question it so it didn't, it didn't come till much later that I uh, started questioning and pushing back. And no, I didn't have any fear. I just, I thought, I mean, these are my friends. These are, these are rational thinking people. Um, they're loving. I didn't, I didn't question at all. Yeah, I did think that, you know, maybe I could even influence them to just take a step back and look at yeah. this in a different light. For sure, I thought that these are, you know, these were my, not just my, you know, mentors or teachers or friends. So, but that didn't happen. <laughs> no. um, even like oh, I shared in the book, um, when we, when the church had some issues uh, with handling some different marital issues. And I came across a really, well, a friend shared with me this, uh, this book on divorce and remarriage that was very thorough and a very interesting 
it opened my eyes to so much about how much we could be getting wrong on our interpretation of divorce and remarriage. And I left a copy for my mom, the pastor and I don't know it. He never, he never, I don't think he ever read it because he never even said, Oh, you know, thanks for, I got the book or anything. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So I was a little disappointed in that. I mean, but I didn't, I wasn't concerned. I didn't think that they would just <laughs> write me off. I never thought that. Yeah. Social media and even the internet, I swear. And I was saying this to someone else. He was telling me a story about how he was like a pastor in his church. And he said something or posted something on social media. And because of that, it cost his church some huge charitable donation from like, uh, from Franklin Graham. And so they booted him and he had to like relocate and start all over. And I thought, you know, it's funny. It's like, we're in this, we're waiting in these new waters of technology and the internet. And we think that we're really comfortable and we're confident enough to like say, yeah, I agree with this. And then suddenly the church comes in and is like, I saw all the things you wrote on the social media. Cause that happened to me too. When I, I was young, it was when like, AOL was the thing and there were chat rooms and there were flame war message boards that private members were granted access to. And I was in this message board venting about my ex. I was a single mother of two. He had left Minnesota, flew all the way to California with a minor and left me and his two children alone. So I'm in this and I'm 22 and I'm just needing a group to vent to. So because I used vulgarity in this private message board, that Mm -hmm. somebody in the message board came out, stalked me, figured out where I worked for this church, sent them screenshots. Literally, I was fired because I used vulgarity. No joke. And I thought, I was in the privacy of my own home venting. God knows I use vulgarity. What? And I was like, it was instant. You're, You're gone. And I thought, you can't push any button in this area anymore. And it, that changed my whole perspective of church. But anyway, nonetheless, this mm-hmm. new area that we're in is like biting us all in the butt big time. Right. Right. But because they've always told us, don't read this. Don't listen to that. Don't do that. I mean, Jehovah witnesses, we've had them in our homes. They wanted to sit there and tell us one day that using the internet was like the tool of the devil. And <laughs> that we shouldn't be like looking outside of the Bible. And I'm going, when people are telling you not to look anywhere else, that's a big sign you should look somewhere else. But we don't, they convince us they know more than we do. We are just these little sheep. You are our our (laughs) shepherd. You shepherd over your, your church and you take care of us. But sometimes they're more concerned with taking care of themselves. Well, to be fair, uh, my uh, experience with um, with our pastor, he encouraged us to read, don't take his word for it, read the Bible yourself. Mm-hmm. Yes, he did discourage us from reading some books that he felt were heretical, but he, he would always encourage us, read the Bible yourself, don't take my word for it. And so I did. So I, took, I said, okay, yeah, that's a good idea. And then it ended up not working out so well, I guess, yeah. or at least for my relationship with them. I but. bet he was like, that's not how you were supposed to read it. <laughs> In the beginning, I was, I was well-respected um, by, by my church, you know, by my pastor and elders and 
professors and I, cause I was on the same page with a lot of stuff. So, yeah. The cost of authenticity is costly though. I mean, when you really want to be true to yourself and you want to claim a position and you want to stake your ground and know, express what you know, it does cost us a lot. I mean, I know, um, when I had finally entered back into the church again, after I got married, my daughter came out questioning and queer. And I was like, you're going to go to hell. You need to repent. What are you talking about? We need to talk about this. And, you know, my husband was like, what are you doing? That's your daughter. God's not, you're going to send your daughter to hell because what Danielle, what are you doing? You know? And that started my questioning. And then honestly, it looks like it when you, in hindsight, but I went to my pastor about it. He didn't give me the answer I wanted. I wanted him to tell me my daughter wasn't going to go to hell. My daughter wasn't going to be rejected. And he didn't. And it was like, well, I don't want that answer. <laughs> and so I know that's a common argument for a lot of people who go through a metamorphosis and transformation and deconstruction is you're just looking for the God that you want to suit you. But I'm like, right. so I'm looking for a God that's more loving than I am. Is that possible? Like, do you, right. That's how it sounds when you say back, you know, so I want a God that's more loving and that's bad. Why? So yeah, it's costly. And, but you have moved on from that. I mean, you've, you've got this odyssey out. You're working on another book or poetry. I am. Um, and I, you, it's interesting. I just wanted to quickly point out that was another area that really got me in trouble is when I started studying what the Bible had to say about homosexuality. There was actually a class, mm. um, online class with an instructor from this college. And um, I don't think I wrote this in the book, but he actually, the, who, the guy that was facilitating the class was the co-author with my pastor in response to uh, Rob Bell's book. So I went through this, this, this course, if you will, um, and he is and still is not a non-affirming Christian, but he, he really did a good, good job with the class. And that kind of, I, by the end of the class, I had bec- realized, oh, the Bible really doesn't, in my, from what I could tell, it just didn't, I was no longer persuaded that it was condemning uh, a gay people or gay, uh, being gay, gay relationships, intimacy, yeah. gay love. I didn't see it anymore. Um, to put that out there, like again, because this is public social media, um, whether it was public or just you know you can you can um, use the friend setting on like some of these things. Just a friend. I don't know if you know that you can just click your mm-hmm. audience to be friends, but that was still too much. That was you. You. I wasn't supposed to be sharing that. Um, so, like you said, why why can't we be authentic? I was a little naive, I think. Um, some of my friends war- you know, would warn me, say, you're going to get yourself in trouble. And I thought, no, why would, why being truthful and sharing your heart and working through these things is a good thing. Why would that, I just yeah. didn't see it. And I thought people would give me the benefit of the doubt, like I would do for my friends. I'm not going to just make these snap decisions based on a few posts or how they're going through something. Mm-hmm. I would just be, you know, have space, want to have space for them to work through it. But I didn't get that. And so I was surprised. I think I was a little, probably a little naive. 
Yeah. And, and, and so do they like try to liken like, oh, your views therefore represent their views. And now you're going to create this bad reputation for them. And what will the people say? What will the churchgoers say? Did you ever um, have that? I think it was more of they, um, I was somehow perceived as sort of a teacher. Mm. Cause it was, I don't know. I had a somewhat of a following in a sense. And yeah. they thought, well, you're, you're at the level of teacher and you know what scripture says about that. You're going to be judged more harshly for the things that you put out there. And now you're putting out false doctrine to mm -hmm. them. They consider it heresy and false doctrine. So, you know, I didn't really consider myself a teacher. I was just trying to work these things. Yeah. Through. Just trying to learn things. Mm -hmm. I think we're always teachers, but always students. I think we yeah. always have to be aware of that, that, you know, for me, especially I homeschool. And so it's like everything I do has to represent some form of teaching or modeling for my children. And so it's like, if I want a positive environment, I therefore have to, I have to be the model for the positive environment. I can't say one thing and expect another, but I think in so many situations for me, especially I always internalize more as caught than taught. And so even if I'm not in some kind of a platform to teach or influence or advise, it doesn't matter because our other actions, our other behaviors are sometimes what people pay attention to more. And so I think we have to remember we're always learning. And I love the learning process and I love sharing the learning process. But I think we're always in a position where we can be a teacher too or an encourager or a helper. So I don't know, maybe that's kind of a problematic area with our churches that we need to reevaluate is this idea that only the pastor is the teacher and you are only the students as parishioners. And sometimes the parishioners can teach the pastor every bit as much as my children teach me every day. So. Right. My children did teach me things. I also homeschooled on and off over the years. Yeah. Now they're grown. Um, but yeah, one of the things, um, that made me question on a whole other level was when my, my youngest son woke up from a nightmare where he was just feeling like he was going to go to hell because he didn't, he wasn't convinced he had that feeling of Jesus in his heart, which he had learned, I think in VBS or, you know, Sunday school mm -hmm. or something, you have to invite Jesus into your heart and you will know, that when Jesus is in your heart and he said, I don't, I don't know what that feels like. So I think that I'm not what I'm, they want me to be and I'm going to go to hell. So that really made me start questioning myself um, and my teaching for my kids. Like, what am I doing to my child? This is horrible. I love that. Yeah. And that was my daughter that made me question the teachings that I was adhering to. Like, am I really for an anti-gay doctrine? If my daughter, right. right in the Bible, we're called to be like children. And so we have our children to teach us and to model an innocent behavior, a vulnerable behavior and an authentic behavior that's not geared at attaining anything or accomplishing anything. They're just existing and being, I think it's really beautiful. Mm -hmm. So I'm sorry, I was gonna say, so yes, I am kind of working on another book. Yeah, that's where I wanted to go back to. Circle back. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I am. Now that I, I've done it once, uh, and I'm like, oh, okay, I know how to do this. It's really not that difficult. Because um, I, I did it all myself. I just decided, okay. Really? Well, it's because it can be expensive. 
depending yeah. on how what you use out there but yeah I thought okay so it's just um just gonna put together some some past uh, writings lyrics poems um and most recently the last couple years I've been reading uh, writing a lot more just spiritual kinds of things and just musings um and I thought you know what I'll just put this into a, a book format and why not yeah. so I noticed in your blogs you um, you always attribute some form of art and I really like that. And you did that in your book too. I did. That was actually one of the hardest parts is getting all that, the copyright permission from the artists. But yeah, I love artwork. My husband actually is a sort of a retired artist in a way. When we met, he had his own, uh, frame and art company. He was, he was, um, was part owner in a gallery and so he he made different kinds of artwork structural artwork even jewelry I've always loved art and I just thought you know just like with songs with me when I hear a song when I see a piece of work sometimes it speaks to me in a in a in a different way and it brings out certain parts of my heart or or just makes me think about different things and so yeah I mean I I as I wrote um, each entry, I, and I have a kind of a collection of different artists work. I just kind of went through and through and thought, Oh, this would look really nice with what I'm trying to say in this entry Yeah, for me. Someone else might not see it, but <laughs> so, yeah, I appreciated it. It's not something you see really anymore. You don't, right. there's not pictures in books anymore. And because right. it costs too much for color yeah. ink and da 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 da. Yes, it does. Yeah, exactly. And I didn't care. I mean, I'm not going to, you know, obviously you probably know you make very little as it is back on these projects and even less so when you <laughs> decide to use color ink, but I didn't care because it's about the art for me. It's yeah. about what I'm trying to express. And um, yeah, I, I used to, <clears throat> like I said, I used to homeschool. So I read hours and hours to my children and all these beautiful, some of these just amazing, beautiful books with pictures. Because yeah. for kids, you have these pictures in them. And I thought, whatever happened to that? I, we just don't see that anymore. And that's another reason I thought, I'm going to do that. What the heck? Yeah. <laughs> we have, I think there is a lacking of art. I think we're all too involved in technological little gadgets and and upgrades. And I think we're missing art. People aren't getting lost in music. They're not pulling out paintbrushes and getting lost on a canvas. And yeah, music is, is such a great art artistry and it's also so spiritual. Mm -hmm. And I noticed lately on your blog, you've been, you've been posting some lyrics that you've written. Do you remember when music really started making an impact in your life? Was it from five, the beginning? Five years old. <laughs> yeah. yeah very, very young. Yeah. I'm very young. Yeah. I, that's a weird, you know, weird thing. Um, I was on the worship team, uh, for years and it was like you said, it was so spiritual for me. I really miss that feeling. Sometimes when I'm just playing music, I'll have that experience, you know, that sort of spiritual experience. And it's with, it's kind of with certain types of music over others, but what will happen with me is either sometimes I'll hear an instrumental piece and I will suddenly start singing. Lyrics will come to my 
to my heart, you know, my soul, and I'll just sing. Sometimes I'll just start writing, maybe it's not lyrics or anything, it's just a, some kind of spiritual experience and I want to write it out. So you're right. It's like, it really has this impact on our souls and speaks to us yeah. across all cultures and, you know, religions and across the world. So it's quite beautiful. Yeah, it is. Well, Julie, please do me a favor and let people know how they can get in contact with you, how they can connect with you, how they can follow your work. Uh, well, the book is on Amazon. The I have a website that's julieview.com. And I have a Facebook page that's also julieview.com. All right. Yes. And the book, again, is Why I Left Church to Find Jesus, A Personal Odyssey. And Julie, thank you. This has been an honor and a delight. Thank you so much, Daniela.